On this week's Big Tech Show, you might not think it could happen to you, but our guest this week explains how a significant number of Irish people may be falling victim to romance frauds online. Victims can feel a misplaced sense of shame. People can blame themselves. They feel embarrassed. And so they don't want to tell family, friends. They don't want to report it to the police. In some cases, of course, the victims are already in relationships. They're married. They have an extra reason to keep that quiet. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Platforms. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919, 1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World wherever you get your podcasts. This is an Irish independent podcast. There's rules and regulations there. If you cross the line, again, like I did, you get punished, right? That's it. Damien Comer didn't come out and say, can everybody else in this country please tweet about how bad this was? I guarantee he doesn't give a shit. They had an opportunity to keep playing an all in final, possibly. Let them just play, like. There's a bit of common sense in this as well, like, you know. So um, that's my response to Twitter Warriors. The quarterfinal between Galway and Armagh was a classic goals, end-to-end play, last-minute scores, equalisers, extra time and, of course, penalties. And yet four days on, there is one talking point that remains centre to the post-match debate, the eye-gouging of Damien Comer. Now, on this week's throw-in with Philly McMahon, we're getting straight into the issue. I'm Sinead Kassan and we're also joined by the Irish Independence, Conor McKeown. Philly, you've had time since Sunday to digest it all. And even your your own name has been called out on social media since then. Yeah, I can understand why. Um, I suppose I had an incident a couple of years ago that was very similar to the the melee and what happened after uh, the game. So my Twitter has been hopping as if I was involved in that game. So look, I can understand why, but... um, it's quite interesting for me to to have a couple of days to digest. It was great because I suppose initially I would have thought a lot of, about a lot of you know what what a lot of people would have would have thought of it in terms of look something has happened there. It's extremely looks extremely bad. It's against the rules. Um, but then when I kind of had a couple of days to digest it, I was kind of like, isn't it crazy how um, how much the when an incident like this happens it's heightened so much by social media and by the media so um even when you when you look at the sunday game after um you know horse paspalan was going going absolutely bonkers about it and uh he was saying you know look i'd love to be talking about this game but now we're just talking about this this row uh well then just talk about the game <laughs> just talk about the game then if that's the case so but look um I suppose the first thing I'd have to address is that my Twitter has been hopping and people have been going, what do you think of the gouge in Philly? And like, generally, like, it's just like, you know, give me your opinion on that. Like, as if you were getting one over me, my opinion on that whole situation um, is quite simple. If you put your hand in, intentionally or unintentionally in someone's face when you shouldn't have, you're going to get, you're going to get, you're going to get punished like I did. You're going to get a ban. Um, and that's as simple as I would, I would, I would, I would see it. Like it, it, there's rules there, there's officials there, there's this 
you know, um, the structure's there to deal with that. Everybody now has become the judge and jury of this individual that's done it. And it's it's stupid. Like, wh- why? Why? Wh- where does it get you? What does, what's it going to change? Politicians are getting involved. Um, it's just, why? Why are they doing this? Like, there's rules and regulations there. If you cross the line, um, again, like I did, you get punished, right? That's it. Damien Comer didn't come out and say, can everybody else in this country please tweet about how bad this was? Or he, I guarantee he doesn't give a shit. I guarantee he's like, I'm, I'm in an all Ireland semi-final. I think most of Galway probably would be taking the same. I'm in an all Ireland. We're in an all Ireland semi-final. It'll be put kind of aside. The GA will deal with it. Um, and and, and that, that's for me the reason why I think if that was the only incident, I think we should talk about it to death. This was one of the best games I have ever watched. I've ever watched. I had everything. And it would be such a shame if we focused so much on that. But I suppose, Sinead, there were so many people asking me about it on Twitter. <laughs> so that, that was my response to it. It has been a bit of a free-for-all, Connor, hasn't it? With, you know, politicians, former ministers getting involved. If there were 700,000 people watching the penalties, a fair amount of them were still watching when the when the brawl broke out. So, um the thing about it is all of those people will have an opinion and the difference now as opposed to 20 years ago is that everyone has a forum for uh, publishing and expressing that opinion. So I suppose we're in a bit of a twilight zone now as a society as to how much stock do we take in the sort of mass reaction that we never used to get over these sort of instances. Um, and it was interesting to see the Clonair and the club and the players involved. Uh, Tieran Kelly came out in support of him to be at the centre of a storm like that, regardless of what you did has to be incredibly, a very unexpected thing. Um, uh, now, I'm not sort of expressing any great sympathy, but I'm just saying that this is a sort of thing that the player now will have to deal with that he wouldn't have had to deal with 10 years ago. Um, people literally uh, sort of abusing you from a height on a social media platform 24 hours a day. So, yeah, these things tend to to get wings. But there's another thing as well, like we, like we all cringe a bit when politicians get involved um, and they all sound a bit silly when they talk about things like in the GA. And it's the same when the Pat Kenny and the Joe Duffy Brigade get involved. But I think the fact that it was so visible, um, you know, that was the biggest thing that was watched in Ireland on Sunday. And like, <laughs> this might sound like a bit of a tweet thing to say, but even the colour of the Armagh jerseys, they're so visible. Like, like as a spectacle, it was quite spectacular looking. Like I was watching from the press box and... The, the nature of these brawls nowadays is there are very few punches thrown. Like, you know, there's a lot of fellas trying to grab each other, pull each other, keep each other back. But players are more aware of the consequences if they do throw punches. But the visuals of it are appalling. You know, you know when you have that situation when there are that many people pulling and dragging out of each other, even the selectors that got involved, all of whom I was sure were playing peacemaker, it makes it look worse. Um, so, yeah, what I'm saying is while we all cringe a bit with the politicians and the Twitter uh, outcry and the call-in phone shows and all the rest of it, uh, I think we'll just have to suck it up this week because it was just inevitable. Yeah, his club did come out with, um, they said that uh, they believe that he's been vilified, um, Tiernan and Kelly. Did you get that? What level of abuse did you get back then, Philly, in 2015? Well, mine was a bit different than that, um, I suppose. We were in an all in final, so there was no more matches after it. Um, in fairness to Kieran Donahue, when he came out, he kind of just, he was just like, kind of, it happened. 
let the GAD with it. You know, it was kind of, I don't know, I thought it was response. Like, it's very easy for me to sit there and say, do you know what, that's just takes a bit about someone to do that. Like, you know, but um, I got me ban and, and that was it. Like, but yeah, I did. Like, well, that was the year I was tipped to get footballer of the year. Um, there was talks about kind of, you know, the the reason why I didn't get it would have been that. I don't know. There was obviously two good play, or other players that were really good that were going for player of the year as well. Um, but yeah, you, you get the abuse still today, like, you know, so that that's something you have to suck up because that's um, that's something that you've done that you cross the line. Like, you know, whether, you, whether I say I didn't mean or I meant it, it doesn't matter. It, that's what happened and that's what what what, what came from it um so yeah yeah as i said like it's it is one of those things that everybody will start passing the book there's there's a fella 20 years ago that got away with his fella that, that done it five years ago that's done it but it ultimately for me um i agree with kieran mcgini i think in this day and age when you have two sides when you have change rooms on both sides put they basically what they do is they put it in alphabetical order so if it, like so, the only change we'd always be in the same change room because we're D, right? But the only team we would be in a different change room generally against is Armagh. We'd be in the first change room, and then the second change room would be would be them because well, it's kind of the force to them. So it makes sense to spread them out. I mean, like in my fourteen years playing into county football, um, I'd say going into the tunnel has been about six or seven, if not more, rows. It's just one of those things, just to explain it, because people think it's as simple as just going in and just go, ah, yeah, you're a scumbag or you're getting stuck in because you have a chance. It's not like it's... You have to understand, when two teams are going into a tunnel, right, it's just one thing that sparks it. It could be like me saying to some something to Killing O'Connor against Mayo. That's all it takes. Just a little spark like that, and it, it lights it up. And... I suppose when you get to that stage, the only thing you're you have in your mindset is I will kind of look bad if I don't help my teammates here. Like this is going to be on television. This is camera's going to be everywhere. And it'll probably last about two minutes. If I don't get in and support my teammate by grabbing one of the others, I will look cowardly. You're playing a like you're in a you're in a change room with 40 other lads. And the last thing you want is when you see on the on the TV uh, footage, this fella just standing out and letting his friends, teammates uh, get pulled and dragged. So that's that's what happens. And then when you're in that moment, you've got this crazy, I, I suppose it's madness in that you're like, what can I do in the next two minutes that either can help my teammate, protect my teammate, or get into the head of my opposition if they're coming out for for extra time, or if it's second half, and that's it. Like you, de- you like very rarely will you see these actually happen at the end of the game, going into the tunnel, you know, because everybody's out shaking hands. So it's either a half time or extra time, right? So the simple thing is get them to go to the opposite change rooms. Like I, I was in uh, the certain stadiums that you can't do that. One of the most famous ones for me is is Dr. Cullen Park because Dr. Cullen Park is this underground tunnel and it's like, boy, and uh, there's some battles being there. I'm sure if you asked, if you if you, if you put a question up on, on social media and asked about battles in, in Dr. Cullen, Dr. Cullen uh, 
it's tunnel. You'll see. We we were in one in in uh, we played Dublin Miners. We were playing Leash, and it just one some fella hit a, a shoulder and it was just kicked off. I and mean, we were in such a tight space. So look, the other side of it is, unless the GA step in and say, you know, there has to be some sort of a rule where one team goes in. There's been times where Desi and Jim, to an extent, would have said, let them go in. Doesn't matter. Just let them go in. Stay out. Let them go through. Um, but then it depends on the game, you know. So for me, um, that's just the, the mindset of the player when it's going on. So I think that's important to, to recognise as well. Yeah, I saw Martin Breton, he said earlier this week that it's a bit defeatist if they have to go into kind of separate dressing rooms. I mean, should players not be able to just control themselves at this time? No, no, that's stupid because you play like you, you, you play for your jersey, for your county. Like, there's no way if you see somebody just bumping off somebody or someone saying something that you're going to back out of it. That's rubbish. That's You have to be in the mindset of right there and then like to understand this. It's not... You just, it's bravado, it's ego, it's, and you can say it's wrong or right, but that's what happens. Forget about what you think should happen. That's actually what the mindset is going. That's what you're thinking when you're going through. There's one of my mates, he's getting dragged. I'm going in there to help him, right? Like the fact that he sent off the two captains, who obviously I think they rescinded, um, they rescinded Galway's, the Galway captain's uh, red card. But the fact that they, the officials didn't know what to do, like in terms of who was doing what. Um, but you're always gonna like if if you raise your hand, if you throw a punch, if you gouge somebody, if you do something that, like in those situations, you can grab somebody and just stick it up to them and not have to do something like punch somebody. As Connor said, there is very few punches thrown in those because you know a punch is going to be seen. You know if you're the one giving the punch that you're going to be caught. So when somebody puts the hand up to somebody's face, it's not seen as a punch. It doesn't. It, it comes across worse than a punch because obviously the eyes and stuff like that. But I just think um, it's a moment of madness. It's a different environment when you're looking in at it than actually being in the environment of a, of a melee. And if you, if anybody that's given their opinion on this thinks that it's going to change by giving a, a heftier ban to to the Armagh player or anybody in the near future, that's not going to work. Step a change rooms and stop the melee before it actually gets to the stage where that'll happen. There are practical measures that can be taken to stop this happening. Um, the problem is that the practical measures can't be replicated in every ground in the country. But like what we're talking about is a culture in Gaelic games that does exist. Um, you know, like the players are only products of that culture. You know, they have grown up in situations where these kind of things happen. That happens, you know, there's a level of physicality which can cross the line which is acceptable in Gaelic games at every level and has been since the dawn of time. You know, like we glorify players who have taken that physicality uh, to beyond the line. You know, we talk about some of the great, you know, bras in GA history as being kind of almost seminal GA events. So that is part of the culture and it doesn't, you know, I, I, and I think when a brawl breaks out like this and it becomes quite unseemly and, you know, it reflects poorly on the GAA. I just think it's a bit disingenuous for people to be kind of shocked and appalled by it. GAA people to be shocked and appalled by it because it's part of the culture of the GAA. Now, they might argue that that level of it isn't part of the culture, but that level of brawl, that mass brawl, where a lot of people get involved, where it gets very ugly, that is kind of the escalation of what we already permit in the GAA. Um, so, 
you know, like Armagh have been involved in the trade this year. That's not to say that they're any better or worse behaved than any other team at that level. I know Joe Broly was very uh, scathing about Armagh in particular. But, you know, like you need sort of two teams to tango and all of this. So, yeah, there's definitely practical measures you can you can bring in. But like, what are we talking about here? We're talking about a culture of, if you want to call it an acceptable level of violence, that's exact, exactly what it is. And it goes on in Gaelic games. And it's kind of the price that we pay for having these games that have a physical edge is that sometimes it goes over the edge and we have this sort of situation. Um, and unless if the GA are being very serious about it, you know, what they'll have to do is really address it at underage level. You know, it's like they bring in these initiatives about giving respect to referees. But like by the time players are 14, 15 years of age, their behavior towards referees has already been learned. It's already ingrained in them. You have to go back to very, very grassroots level. So Philly totally spot on regardless of the suspensions that come out of this, regardless of the disciplinary sanctions or the fines to the county boards or whatever else that come out of this, or even, you know, if they remove more players from the sidelines and match day squads and all the rest, it's not going to make any difference. It doesn't change the mindset. You know, you have to be in the mindset, as Philly says, of a player going in there at halftime to get involved in that sort of thing in the first place. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a very deep rooted problem and it's one of the GA's biggest problems. And we sort of carry on with this masquerade that it doesn't happen until it does. And then we all get very offended and very surprised. Um, and I think there's maybe it's a bit of a disingenuous reaction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Philly Connor mentioned about Joe Brawley there. He said in the Indo Daily podcast on Monday, um, quote, there is unfortunately a culture within this Armagh squad and it's difficult to know if it is encouraged, but it's certainly being tolerated. This is the third time this season. What do you make about that sentiment about Armagh? I think it's very stereotypical and it's probably like there, there's, there's meaning behind it in that there's there's been three incidents this year that they've been involved in. So that's that that obviously gives the the, the opinion kind of merit um for me uh look I, I for me in this this armor team I, I was kind of I me myself and Connor tipped Galway to win but it's a shame that this armor team is gone from the championship um regardless of what instance they've been involved with they brought energy to this championship this year um to the league even this year I've enjoyed watching them so um for me, it's it's a team that I would like to see still involved. So that gives you a kind of a picture of what I think of them. Um, and you have such brilliance, especially in, in terms of Reno O'Neill, like to kick that score. And, you know, it's, it was just incredible. He was like, just like a nice man. Even when he took his pen out, he's just one of those players, like there's a handful of them in the game at the minute. He's one of them that you want to pay in admission only for just, just to see them, like, you know. Um, so do I, yeah. Look, um, I uh, look at the end of the day. If I'm an Armagh player, if I'm Kieran McGinley, I really don't care what Joe Broly says. Yeah, I really don't care. Like, um, he's more than you know entitled to his opinion. But um, because they've got three rounds, because they're an Ulster football team, because um, the previous Ulster successful teams are very physical. Um, they're going to have a stereotypical kind of output or perception of them, like, you know, so uh, I'm just giving you my view. I think they're a team that are exciting, they're physical as well. Um, they're a team, I, as I said, I'd love to see still see in the championship. And for and for Galway to beat them shows you the standard that Galway have got to as well because um, they're a team that I think have made massive uh, jumps 
forward this year in terms of where they are. Connor, what do you think about um, Brawley's assertion that there's a culture within the Sarma squad? Is there? I don't know if there are. Like you, you, like you find over the years that there are some teams that that, that get involved in more than more of these sort of incidences than others. It's like it's hard to know some of the players that are involved there. Um, like you know, we have these maybe stereotypes about players who get involved in these sort of rows, and it, and it's hard to see which of those players kind of play for Armagh. Like they have an awful lot of very talented footballers, and they play football in a really, really good way to watch. So. Um, is it ingrained in them? I wouldn't have thought so. Like McGinney was a very tough player himself, but he wasn't a dirty player by any stretch of the imagination. I think he was so strong. He was one of the strongest players of his era that when he went into contact with players, he, he didn't really need to sort of go over the line um, to have an advantage over players. So um, I can't imagine that it was. And like I know there's not a huge number of cross McGann players in this current Amar team. There's a, there's a couple you know, down through the years, you know, Cross McGlenn have been the kind of leading force in Armagh club football and discipline hasn't tended to be an enormous problem with them. So, um, yeah, like it's hard to identify from the outside probably is the answer. But look, there's no smoke without fire either. You know, you'd imagine, you know, the third time you get involved in one of these melees. And like you saw Kieran McGinney, and I really like McGinney, I have to say, I admire the way he kind of thinks and talks about the game, but sort of his knee jerk was to blame the, I think he cited the AFL ruling, you know, about the third man in getting an automatic suspension. And then he was talking about like, well, what happens? He, he had a go at Mark Sidebottom or a bit of a standoff with the BBC reporter, Mark Sidebottom. What do you do if you're pushed? So yeah. maybe th- maybe that's just a managerial trait that, you know, your your instinct is to protect and maybe deflect a small bit. But see, look, again, this comes back to the cultural thing. Like, like you know, when Kerry McGinley looks back on this season, and I'm just taking him as an example, and they look at the things they did well and the things they didn't do well. Like, I wonder how long he'll actually spend reviewing the three sort of malaise that Armagh got involved in and and looking at that and saying, well, like, that's clearly a thing we shouldn't do. And, and that has detracted somewhat from us. Like, would he even see it as a problem? I'm not sure that he, that he necessarily does. So, yeah, like, that's a very long way. The question, Connor, would be, do you think the, 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 do you think the malaise have affected them negatively? I don't think they did. Right. I don't think they did. Like I mean, they didn't. They didn't lose the game in normal time, in uh, in the Galway game. Like you know, did the other two other two Malays affect them? Yeah, I don't know if they will. I don't know if they've if it's been big enough of like the, unless there's there's a bit more pressure put on them from officials because they've been involved in those three Malays. I'm not sure if it affected them on the pitch. Yeah, it's a it's it's a weird one because they don't tend to happen quite as often as they used to. Like fifteen years ago, you used to hear talk about a certain team going up to a league match, you know, particularly in Ulster, you know, and usually against Tyrone, and, and people saying, "Well, they're going up there to stand up for themselves." They were pushed around the last time they came up against Tyrone, and it was a bit of a recipe for for a row or a brawl uh, or whatever you want to call it. But I, like, I don't think that really happens at intercounty level anymore. You know, first of all, all the teams are conditioned in much the same way. So they're all like, you know, just there's very few players out there that can be accused of being like weak or cowardly. And second of all, so little physical contact now in getting football for the large part compared to what there used to be that it doesn't really happen. So, you know, these do tend to be isolated incidents, which maybe goes back to your question, three in the one season, does that reflect poorly on our math? I don't know. It, like it, it's a... Uh, it's a fair question, though. But lads, I mean, surely, um, like a lengthy ban needs to be handed out for this, just to make an example of it. Well, the problem there, Sinead, is that, like, as has been proved time and time again, and has been proved very recently as well, the GAA's only role in this 
is to apply their own rules. They cannot go beyond that because once they do, they are made look very, very silly and somebody will appeal it. Um, so I would imagine the case of the incident with Damien Comer and Tiernan Kelly, I would imagine that's a pretty open and shut case. And, that I, I, you know, it would be hard to see how anybody would launch an appeal if they were involved in an incident like that. But regards to, you know, contributing to a melee, the reason that rule is specified in such a way, contributing to a melee is because you have all these actions that aren't quite defined as striking. You know, you have a lot of people getting involved making the situation worse, but not actually striking. So if they were of a mind that they could definitely isolate three or four players from each team even more, And but I'm not sure it's going to stand up. And that's the issue because of the nature of the GAAs. Like, like think about the last disciplinary procedure. They were banning three hurlers who then got off on a technicality because the notification of the of the hearing was sent by email only for the DRA, only for their own association to later rule that that wasn't the case. So like... It, it like it's so layered um because it has built up over time like the GAA's disciplinary structure is structured in such a way as a response to problems that it has had before but the problem is it's endlessly complicated so like the first thing I think Galway will do is get Sean Kelly out because I've I've no idea whether um David Caldrick took the two captains as being sacrificial lambs but if he did Kelly was actually like he was the guy who was remonstrating with Tiernan Kelly after the out. And like, if anything, it was it was a commendable show of restraint. So I'd imagine that John Kelly would get off. Um, and you're also in a situation where if you throw the bucket at the two teams here, it only really affects Galway. They have an all Ireland semi-final in 10 days um, and our man don't play again till next February. So the, the history, so while people would say you have to throw the bucket at them, you have to make an example, you have to be seen to be taking a stand. The history of these kind of malaise as as they pertain to the GA's disciplinary structure is, they find it very hard to make um, punishment stick for them. Uh, so final word to you, Philly, and all those people that have been on to you on social media this week. Before we jumped on here, I was kind of saying to myself, uh, Connor was mentioning, you know, GA culture. Um, and I was trying to think to myself, like, if there was somebody in my club who was on Twitter going after one of those players, how would you feel like... Um, I just don't know if they're real GA people. Like, because if there was somebody in my club that was slating into county players for whatever reason, take out the gouge and whatever else, I'd be kind of going, like, what are you doing? Like, have you not gotten like like Twitter is there obviously for for it's become that platform of just uh venting your you know your anger from a sports perspective in terms of this GAA. Um but Certainly, if there was somebody in my club in Ballymun Kickham's that was going after inter county players, I'd be going, Here, will you give yourself a shake? Will you like, would you crop on? Have you got not have you like, is is life that bad that you have to do that? Like, you know, um, well, look, that's social media, but again, as I said, um, something that's really connected to the grassroots of this game. If you look at a lot of the tweets, some of them are just you kind of look at them and you kind of go, You haven't a clue, you haven't really been involved with you know a club or a, you're just probably one of those people that watches this on TV and, and goes oh do you know what I'm going to jump on because I heard him saying this and she, she said this and blah blah but then there is good there is people there also that are the opposite of that who are involved that are very educated around the GAA um, but still feel that they you know this is their opportunity to to take someone down the pecking order in terms of you know, from an opposite an opposition county. So we can understand why that is. That's sport. And that's the way it is. But I suppose, you know, the most important thing was I wasn't going to get get into a, a tweeting 
competition with people that don't even have their names or their faces on their profiles. So it was great to have the platform of the, the podcast to say, it's a simple, it's from, from my opinion in terms of the gouging, because that's what I'd be kind of connected to, is that the GA are there, they have rules. You can't just say just because this was watched by more people or whatever, that it should be a, a heftier ban or a lifetime ban or or because a five-year-old watched it. I don't remember anything from a five-year-old watching GAA in any way, so that doesn't matter for me. But the rules, the constitution of the GAA is there. Um, and 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 that has to be, unless they want to change the rules because of this, that's a, a lengthier kind of operation or procedure. There's a rule there. If a person crosses the line, they'll get a ban. It's And, and then... Like for me, I think the, the quicker the, the, the GA get this sorted in terms of there's the ban for the player that gouged, the two captains getting sent off was wrong, and then just get on with it. Let go, we play in the semi-final. And I know this, this is coming from a player's perspective, but do you know what? Just let them let that players play in an all-in semi-final with a good chance. It's going to be another brilliant game against Derry, but let them they have an opportunity to keep playing an all-around final, possibly. Let them just play, like, there's a bit of common sense in this as well, like, you know. So, um, that's my response to Twitter Warriors. Okay, all right, Philly and Connor, thanks for that. Well, that's it for this week's Throw-In with Philly McMahon. Will and Michael will be back on Monday, and next week we'll be previewing the All-Ireland Football semi-finals. You can listen, rate and follow on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from, and we'll be back again next week. Bye for now. This is an Irish independent podcast.